can't get enough eye-popping, jaw-dropping, heart-stopping reality TV. It's the best. Then head to Hey You, home of reality on demand. Stream and download the latest episodes from shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians and The Real Housewives, same day as the US. What's more fun than that? Or binge old faves like The Simple Life and The Hills. That's hot. Hey You, reality on demand. Start your one-month free trial now. Hello everyone and welcome to the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. I'm David Chen and with me are... Devendra Hardwire and Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show everyone. What we're going to do here today on the podcast, we're going to talk about some what we've been watching and then move on into an in-depth review. This week we'll be reviewing Searching, uh, the new film starring John Cho that takes place entirely on a computer screen. Really psyched to dive into this one with you gentlemen. Um, so that's what we got on tap for you. But before we get to any of that... Uh, we got to go over some emails. Of course, you can find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. You can also email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. And uh, last week on the podcast, I talked about a Netflix original series called Magic for Humans. Devendra, have you heard about this show? You were at a... You yeah, were in... I, saw, I saw the first episode. Oh, so, yeah. Okay, so. yeah. I, re- I quite enjoyed this show. Uh, yeah. You were at... Um, but you were at Berlin last week, right? Uh-huh. I was uh, there for the IFA trade show. Don't ask me what it, that actually stands for. It's German, <laughs> um, but it's a tech thing, yeah. Yeah, and you, you got to see some, like, 8K televisions and stuff like that? I did. Um, now now get ready for that hype cycle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Samsung. You sound so, so psyched so about excited. it. <laughs> it's such, I mean, I, I wrote up a big explainer in Gadget, but yeah, you know, 4K, if your screen's under 100 inches, which I assume it probably is, 4K will be, you know, more than fine for most of us. Uh, this is AK, four more Ks, dude. It's four it's more Ks, Davindra. It's four more Ks. Your eyes can only perceive so many Ks <laughs> unless you you got your eyeballs right up to it. So that's I mean, the big thing. So like this is just a big hype cycle that you know we can ignore. Thankfully, uh, get yourself an OLED. Get yourself a nice 4K HDR screen, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, do I need a hundred inch screen or can I do a twenty seven inch screen and now sit, size sit like on top size, of when it comes to size? I do think size like size does matter. Come on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, like I love my 100 inch projector screen and, uh, eventually we will all have giant ass screens and then AK may matter more. Even then 4k is more than enough. You go to a movie theater, that is a 4k projector most likely, you know, yeah, and it's, it's, it's great. It's true. I want to be inside the image. I don't want, I don't <laughs> yeah. want to know. I don't want to know where the image ends and I begin. Yeah. You mm. just want to, <laughs> that's the magic leap cinema. So. Yeah. You're going to be watching <laughs> movies in hall lens in the future. Um, yeah, maybe. Okay, so uh, talking about Magic for Humans, a Netflix original series, uh, I got an email from Alex G., who writes into SlashFilmCast.gmail.com, quote, It was interesting that uh, you, David Chen, said that Magic for Humans featured long extended takes that proved the authenticity of the magic tricks. Because if you watched again, I think you'd agree that the majority of his tricks are actually edited in a super cutty way and even employ a ton of quote-unquote clean cross-cutting, i.e. solo shots between the magician and audience without the other in the frame, making it really easy to fudge what's going on. Um, This guy really does seem like he has integrity, and I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but if he really is doing everything for real, then whoever is choosing to employ such a cutty style in the show is doing so to the severe detriment of the trick's effects, in my opinion. Uh, 
Um, anyway, end quote. Uh, also, actually, Alex goes on to write about how it was interesting to hear your discussion on whether the rise in digital effects has ruined magic on TV forever. For me, it definitely has. I just can't lose myself in it when any sort of editing is going on, knowing how easy most of his tricks could be pulled off with basic visual effects. It's going to be live shows for me to get my magic fix. I think, I think it's extending through a lot of Hollywood now, too. I'm pretty sure 10 years from now, people will watch the Halo jump in Mission Impossible Fallout without knowing the backstory of it and totally assume it's an average-grade FX sequence. I also constantly meet people who think Coraline or Kubo are CG animated. Truth mm. in film, as in politics and media, is becoming harder and harder to convey. Yeah. Um, so that email comes from Alex. Uh, so Alex obviously disagreed with my assessment of Magic for Humans uh, <laughs> and uh, also writes in that he has lost all sense of wonder in his life and, and cannot enjoy magic on TV anymore, which, uh, you know, Jeff, you were talking about this last week. I think it's a, it's a very common effect when when you have visual effects that are so good they can trick you into thinking anything is possible uh yeah. then having you know street magic no longer has the same effect right yeah and i can attest that uh the, the most recent magic show that i saw in person uh david copperfield in las vegas which i saw with uh, our own peter serretta uh i i guarantee you that if i wasn't watching that live i I was blown away by the things I saw, but if I saw those on a TV screen, the exact same tricks, I would have been much less impressed. It is the fact that he manifested something in a room that I was in <laughs> rather than just seeing right. other people react to that that uh, made it special. So maybe maybe magic will only kind of be a a live medium. Although, you know, I th- I do enjoy these specials still. Yeah, I remember so. the uh the David Blaine like specials uh, like when those were on TV. I was in high school like right, uh, those were fun. Yeah. Uh all right, so thanks to Alex for writing in, but yeah, I mean, the world of magic is different now and I think people will have different reactions to Magic for Humans depending on how much they're willing to believe. Uh Devindra, did you what did you think of the episode that you saw? I saw the first episode. It was uh, it was fun. Yeah. It did remind me a lot of the uh, like the David Blaine shtick, basically like run up to people and try to like you know uh, try to yeah freak them out with something. That's it, it is the skill of David Blaine with yeah. the extremely cheesy humor of Jeff Kanata. I think is there there yeah. there is a lot of that. Yes, <laughs> I am surprised. <laughs> I feel like people will punch this guy at some point too. <laughs> like he definitely does things like. Dude, you just threw my phone. Like, yeah, <laughs> you, you sent it away in a drone. How dare you? Um, yeah, good luck with this. Well, I mean, that would match with how often Jeff Kanava's been punched as well for his <laughs> terrible jokes, right, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Constantly dodging punches, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we are not going to talk about the results of the summer movie wager on this week's episode of the podcast. That's going to be because for a few— as much anybody's as somebody game. wants to. Yeah. <laughs> my, my understanding is it's still anybody's it's game. It's still anybody's game. That's Wide right, open. Wide open field. You Bottom definitely don't night. have a 0% chance of winning. <laughs> Two outs. Who knows Who knows who's coming up to the plate at this point? Um, it's un- unknowable. <laughs> it's unknowable who would win. But a few weeks ago, I encouraged uh, everyone in the audience to participate in the hashtag SaveDaveWave. Um, and go see movies like The Meg. I also uh, participated, participated myself in the hashtag Gold Open movement and bought out an entire theater to show Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, got this email uh, this week from somebody who works in film distribution. 
and this person writes in and they wanted to remain anonymous. Uh, quote, what film distributors let us play in a theater is determined by past performance of what they deem, quote unquote, similar films. To clarify, this isn't similar films in relation to genre like horror or comedy. The industry terms used to describe these films are minority films like black centric films, specifically anything with Tyler Perry, art house movies uh, like indie, liberal or Oscar bait and faith based movies like small based, uh, small distribution Christian films. In the past year, Latin slash Hispanic films have joined the mix as distributors are trying to find the Latin market. This week, Searching is expanding prints and they are releasing it at our theaters directly in relation to how well Crazy Rich Asians has done at each of our locations. Uh, so I'll, I'll end it right there. But suffice to say, uh, this is uh, yeah an industry source writing in saying like when when a movie like Crazy Rich Asians opens big, it actually does make a difference in terms of what you are able to see in a theater. Uh, and apparently, it's it's happening in like a week by week basis, which is pretty insane. Um, you know, I, I shared this with Peter Sreda from SlashFilm dot com, and um, his understanding of how a lot of movie theaters uh, allocate their screens is like these decisions are often made months in advance. Uh, but in the new digital age, where like you can get a DCP really quickly, you know, who knows? How much that's in fact affecting like uh, multiplexes as well as smaller uh, boutique theater chains. Uh, so th- this is one story of how hashtag Gold Open has resulted in a movie like Searching, which also features a primarily minority cast. Uh, how that movie is able to be accessed by more people, and um, so I, it, it does make a difference when movies like Crazy Rich Asians open big. And uh, I was very encouraged to hear that from this listener. So just wanted to share that. And uh, yeah, you got to vote with your dollars. You got to be the change you want to see in the world. You got to pay for the movies that you want to see more of. Um, so just wanted to encourage everyone in the audience to do that. And finally, before we get to what we've been watching this week, uh, there's been a piece of film news that Jeff Kanata's hit home for you, right? Yeah, very much so. I, I don't know if anybody has been following this uh, little drama with regard to the actor Jeffrey Owens. Mm-hmm. You probably, if you grew up in the 80s like I did, uh, you are aware of Jeffrey Owens as the actor who played Elvin on The Cosby Show. Uh, he was a charming then, still charming. I can attest now I... I met him uh, a while ago. I did a play reading with Jeffrey Owens, so um, I have I met him, the nicest guy you could you could possibly imagine. Um, but he ran into uh, some some national news, found himself at the center of national news because someone spotted him working at Trader Joe's and thought that was worthy of a sort of gotcha style journalism. Uh, expose on how the mighty have fallen. Uh, this guy who is very well known and on a big hit sitcom now working at Trader Joe's. And I think it was picked up by Fox News and some other places as this sort of ha ha, look at how horrible this guy has, is doing this shameful thing. You, know, you can go into Trader Joe's and see uh, a star of, of small screen, you know, bagging groceries, ha ha. And, um, you know, there's been a, a significant backlash and I think a well-deserved one. But I wanted to weigh in with my two cents because we have a platform here. And as you said, Dave, it really uh, it really hit home for me. I mean, I've never <laughs> – Jeffrey Owens lived the dream uh, 26 years ago, we should say. Uh, this was, you know, this was in his youth and many years ago he was on a hit show. He was a series regular on the biggest television show in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and that's something that puts significant dollars in one's pocket, but that's 26 years ago. Yeah. And whatever royalties, by the way, from that is kind of probably a little fucked up now because of things, right? Well, think, yeah, they've all been pulled from syndication yeah. because yeah. of the Bill Cosby situation. Uh, so it certainly impacted him. He did an interesting interview with uh, CNN. I think he comes off uh, great, uh, as as you would expect of a guy. He's a Yale graduate, um, very well-respected actor. But I think, moreover, it, taking this in a, in a broader perspective, not just his particular situation, there is something weird that happens uh, to with actors, right? They're either uh, sort of despised and looked down on, or revered, and there's really no middle ground. It's you know, and it's a strange thing where when someone says, "I want to be an actor," or or thinks about actors, they think about. Uh, a very you know the point one percent of the point one percent. They think about you know the Tom Cruises and uh, you know Julia Robertses of the world. They think of the the highest earning, most high profile people. It's it's, it's like if somebody said, uh, "I want to start a start a business," and they go, "Oh, you're going to be Mark Zuckerberg," you know, he's like, "You're going to be you're going to be uh, uh, you know the the most high profile, biggest earning." rarest of birds in that particular field uh where i think the, you know there the reality is most people who scrape by a living do so because they're fortunate to be able to work consistently not because they hit the lottery and jeffrey owens did kind of hit the lottery a long time ago but he stayed an actor and has he mentioned in his cnn uh, interview that he since the cosby show ended 26 years ago he hasn't had a job that worked more than 10 weeks at a time and he has a family and he's, you know, he, he took a job at Trader Joe's and I, you know, chose to try to make a, a living in the arts. I have two kids now. I think every day about what I might have to do. And it's funny. I think this struck me particularly uh, personally because I have often thought that my backup plan is to work at Trader Joe's. <laughs> I honestly think about that. Uh, Trader Joe's, pretty cool place to work. I actually have a buddy who moved out of L.A. and uh, got a job at Trader Joe's, and he's so happy. He's a very happy person. Uh, bikes to work and works at Trader Joe's. And so I've often thought, man, if I had to, if push came to shove, if, if, it, if the bottom fell out of everything, I would support my family by sort of doing one of those jobs. Those jobs that are slowly, you know, ending in this in this world. But still, I, it, it is one of those things that I could not believe the contempt that was shown for someone making ends meet, mm-hmm. doing a doing a honest day's work for an honest day's pay, and uh, doing what needs to be done to pay his bills. It, it there was such a strange disdain for that, like how he had sort of sullied himself by doing menial labor. And I just found it so distasteful and, uh, offensive. I, I, uh, you know, I, I wanted to speak out on it. Yeah, it, it, it's it, incredibly it, gross. Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was grotesque, and I think it also just as you as you indicated, Jeff, it betrays a complete lack of understanding of the mm-hmm. experience of the vast majority of people who you know live in Hollywood and, and try to make a go of it. Yeah, um, actors right. and creatives in general. Yeah, honestly, and every here's it's it's funny that this blows up with Fox News too because like this is real America. Right. Right. This is, right. This is people working and doing having several jobs just to make ends meet. But uh, 
yeah, I guess the moment you how you get to look at real America, you laugh at them. Yeah, from their perspective, it should be you know they hate Hollywood, right? He he's moved into the to the real workforce, right. right? From their perspective, so they should be lauding this and saying, "Oh, good, uh, a Hollywood elite has." put on a working man's uniform and gone to work. But no, there, there's some weird double standard there that makes it uh, something worthy of their disdain. Which yeah, is- we, should, we should point out that, like, I'll, I'll have to, I have to admit, Jeff, uh, I went on the full kind of roller coaster of emotions watching this story break. Because on the one hand, um, this is, you guys have indicated Fox News was one of the initial sites that picked this up. And it was a disgusting decision by them to do that. Uh, and then... Then there was a bunch of people condemning Fox News for picking it up. And in condemning them, uh, they like gave the story more oxygen, right? And yeah, allowed yeah. the story to spread further. And I was just like, oh, like, mm, I really wish they didn't do that because, you know, outrage and condemnation is a great way to get clicks and attention. However, seeing Jeffrey Owens, I saw him on CBS uh, this morning, I think. Uh, or ABC News giving an interview about it. ABC's Good Morning America talking about it this morning. And he said that he was initially very ashamed and embarrassed uh, when the story broke. and the, But that that lasted such a short period of time because mm-hmm. he was immediately overwhelmed by all the incredible support um, for what he was doing. And yeah. uh, it, it, was a, it was a lovely interview. It I, you know, made me actually very emotional to see it because he's talking about how, um, quote, there is no job that's better than another. It may pay better. It may have better benefits. It may look better on paper, but it's not better. Every job is worthwhile, end quote. And, um, and if, uh, if people hadn't like, been outraged and, and complained about it, he might have never gotten that like, second wave of like, you know, big support. Well, the other thing he said is that he said if if this notoriety leads to somebody offering me an acting job, I would rather them not. He said I don't want. He said I'm not interested in in getting an acting job just because someone feels like they need a right or wrong. Right. Or, he said uh, he would he, he would said, audition. He would audition, yeah, he but he doesn't it, just want to be handed to me, something. Yeah. Right. If it leads to me getting more auditions and I can compete with my peers and you know earn the job, then I'm all for it. But I, I just think that he's such a stand up guy, and like I said. I worked with him briefly on a play reading uh, several years ago and just found him to be such a stand-up guy, such a great person, so warm and generous with his uh, time and attention. I, I, I'm not surprised, but also, um, you know, he handled this with such a plum. I think. I, I'm, kudos to him, but I think it, it speaks to a larger issue that, that obviously I have some personal stake in, but I also yeah. think it's, it is – really true that there's this weird place that that the arts live you know no parent wants to hear their kid goes into the arts every every kid that you meet that goes into the arts their parents are like oh god I, I worried you would never make a dime but we also you know revere these figures uh, that that make the millions and are on the covers of all the magazines and etc it's it's a weird dichotomy that i don't think our culture has handled well Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a great the, you you put it really well Jeff when you said actors are often revered or despised and there yeah. is rarely a a middle ground. Um but the fact of the matter is, you know, the the vast masses of actors uh many of them often work second jobs, right? Mm. Like yeah. many of them. And it, it just is like some podcast to make their living. See, I, some, I know, know like knows. some some even soup down to the yeah. world of film podcasting which like you know, yeah. I, I yeah. mean, 
Don't tell Fox News. <laughs> don't, tell, don't tell Fox News about Jeff Kanata's <laughs> film podcast or else, you know. It's very unfortunate that it happened the way it did. And I was really torn. I was like, on the one hand, um, oh, man, I, I, I wish people wouldn't talk about this more. But then the ultimate result with, was that Jeffrey Owens got a lot of awesome support and then came off looking really, uh, like you said, a stand-up guy, uh, like a very – great like a great individual and so yeah. uh ultimately I, I think the the result was good I, i'm I'm very torn you know about like how the internet should have handled this one but uh as vic digital in the chat room points out this may be how the jeffrey owens assance begins um and, <laughs> there we go and i think there uh, we go yeah you know that's uh, i know, I know he said he, he wouldn't just accept the job but i think uh, tyler perry offered him something so maybe at least that's like you know a chance to try out for a role there yeah. for something yeah. huge all right let's move on to what we've been watching this week jeff canada what have you been watching this week well i had a chance to see the film juliet naked uh my wife actually uh, really wanted to see this one and she and i uh, don't get to go to the movies together very often anymore because one person has to stay home and make sure that the children continue breathing. Um, but we had, uh, the fortunate experience of having my mom in town for a week, uh, to celebrate my son's second birthday and, and more. And, uh, so we got to have a date night and go see Juliet, uh, naked because that was what my wife wanted to see. And, um, uh, it's based on the Nick Hornsby novel. I'm a big fan of Nick Hornsby's writing, and and many of the films based on his books have been quite good too. Uh, the story of Juliet Naked stars uh, Ethan Hawke and Rose Byrne and Chris O'Dowd. Uh, Ethan Hawke plays a uh, a sort of revered musician from the '90s um, who disappeared and uh, you know had one great album and disappeared, and then Rose Byrne and Chris O'Dowd. Are a, a couple. Uh, Chris O'Dowd is is obsessed with this guy and and does a podcast about him and has been trying to figure out what happened to him. And circumstances conspire to have this guy kind of resurface in their lives. It's a romantic comedy. Uh, I found it to be uh, really delightful. I mean, it's not the greatest movie in the world. It's it, it's it's a sweet um, little romantic comedy. But I found it very watchable, uh, fun and funny and sweet. Uh, and and really different than any kind of romantic comedy I've ever seen in the sense that it it really paints a picture of people with messy lives, very messy, messy lives. And I, I kind of like that. It, nothing is clean. Nothing is easy. Everybody is complicated. Everybody has past relationships or current relationships that are just sort of messy and 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 not clear. Uh, and they still kind of navigate their way through that. In a in a charming way, so I, I don't know. I liked it. It's not you know, it's not not in my top ten of romantic comedies ever or anything like that. But I I found it to be very watchable and and worthwhile. Cool. That's Juliet Naked, and it's out in theaters right now. That's right. Anything else to be watching, Jeff? Well, uh, this isn't a film, but I wanted to speak to it because uh, it is so cinematic, and that is the new Spider-Man game, uh, which comes out this week. I was fortunate to get an early copy because I do a. Uh, a, a lot of video game coverage as well. Uh, you can listen to my full discussion of the Spider-Man video game on my video game podcast, DLC, which you can find at 5by5.tv slash DLC. But I wanted to speak to it on this show because um, I really think that the new Spider-Man video game from uh, Insomniac Studios is 
as good or better than any of the Spider-Man films, just from a story perspective. If this, if they had just filmed exactly how this this video game presents the cutscenes with the same actors and made it the next Marvel Spider-Man game, I would be like, that's a home run. Marvel knocked it out of the park. It is, it was phenomenal storytelling, really lovely, uh, great acting, and. The characters, the the casting choices for all of the people in Peter Parker's life are so inspired. I'm so impressed. They are offbeat. They're not what you would expect. Aunt May is such an interesting choice for who would play Aunt May. She doesn't look like the comic book version of Aunt May. She doesn't look like the film version of Aunt May. She's something different, but she's so right. And the same is true of many of the characters in his rogues gallery. There's uh, Dr. Otto Octavius uh, is such an interesting take on that character, such an interesting actor to cast. And, of course, it's digitally represented, but it is a real actor that they motion captured for all the cutscenes. And the the story is just so well presented. It's a slow burn, and there's a lot of really wonderful buildup. It has stakes. It has emotional investment. Uh, Mary Jane Watson is giving a lot of time and a, and a lot of, of uh, agency in the world. She's not just a damsel in distress. In fact, they kind of, they kind of uh, Lois Lane her. She kind of becomes a very, very much a Lois Lane type, a uh, investigative journalist in this, in this version. Um, and, and it's great, man. It is really just from a pure cinematic storytelling perspective worth playing. It also happens to be very fun to play as well on a mechanical level, but uh, for People that listen to this show and like superhero movies and superhero storytelling, don't miss this. It's exclusive to PlayStation 4, but if you've got one of those or are planning to get one, don't miss this game. It's it's excellent. Cool. Uh, that's Marvel's Spider-Man, and it's going to be out on PS4 soon, right? In September? On the 7th. On yeah. the 7th. I'm really psyched for this game, and uh, it, it is crazy that so, you know, I was reading this book, uh, I think it's called The Big Picture by Ben Fritz. Uh, yeah. It's about the, it's, it's called The Fight for the Future of Movies. The Big Picture, The Fight for the Future of Movies. And uh, one of the primary sources is all the emails that were uh, released during the Sony hack. And it, it is crazy how, like, Sony went from kind of pioneering the modern superhero film with Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. To within you know ten fifteen years, no longer being able to produce a single good Spider-Man film, right? <laughs> and then uh, I, I mean, yeah, the the. <sighs> well, we'll see with Venom coming out, guys. We can still sell some hope on the horizon. As I said, things. as I said, <laughs> maybe they, Venom's the one to turn this whole ship around, baby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they went from Spider-Man one in two thousand one to now seventeen years later. Uh, can't produce a single good Spider-Man film. Uh, meanwhile, own, at least, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. Uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, very well reviewed, made a lot of money. Uh, yeah. and now this Spider-Man game, which is going to be on PlayStation, Sony's PlayStation Four, uh, also extremely well reviewed. So, yeah, what a what a weird journey that Sony has had with that character. Uh, but I am looking forward to playing this game because I've heard it's awesome. So, thanks for sharing, thanks. Jeff. And you can hear Jeff talk about that game for another thirty minutes. On his other podcast, DLC, um, so I, which I did, and I'd recommend. Uh, Devendra Hardwar, you've been watching a couple things. Yeah, just uh, quickly, I've been watching Disenchantment, the new Matt Groening show uh, that's on Netflix. Um, it's sort of like his same shtick, I guess. Like if uh, Simpsons was modern times, Futurama was future times. This is like medieval times, basically. Um, so he just needs like a 
post-apocalyptic one and uh i feel like futurama does that a lot like a futurama <laughs> for one episode will be post-apocalyptic right and then they'll reverse time and go back to normal so i think yeah, he needs a western one yeah. i guess he's got to get all the all the genres right and futurama has had westerns the episodes where they go to mars and it's a martian western you know i feel like futurama was like the best uh aside from early simpsons like futurama i think was like everything mike Greening was trying to do and the uh co-creator for that show david cohen um you know that felt like a good evolution of the simpsons this show um you know it's fine it's kind of funny i think the the cast is great abby jacobson is the lead uh she's a princess who's kind of uh always drunk always starting fights not really quite a normal princess and um eric andre is in this as well and he's hilarious um it's a weird show because it just kind of takes a while to get going right you're set up with the initial premise that uh, oh they're trying to marry her off and she doesn't want to get married and yada 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 and it's a lot of that back and forth for uh for most of the season honestly um i'm about halfway through but here it takes a really interesting turn towards the end so i'll keep going mainly because i like abby jacobson and it's kind of sweet it's about her and her hanging out with her feisty elf and her personal demon um so if you just want some like nice you, you want to see something new from matt graining it's worth checking out all right uh, yeah. Well, that is Disenchantment. It's on Netflix right now. And Devinger, you watched Upgrade. Now, we've gotten a few emails, yeah. a few tweets about this movie, Upgrade. Uh, I actually bought the Blu-ray. It's sitting in my Amazon locker at work. I, I have to pick it up and bring it home to watch it. <laughs> I'm uh, also really excited to see this one. I'm, I'm anticipating watching Everybody's been talking about it. you got to see it. you got to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you think of Upgrade? It's really fun. This is yeah. a fun, like, low-budget, no-frills, sci-fi action movie from Lee Wanell, the guy who uh, he co-wrote Saw in Insidious. In those movies, he, t- he typically works with James Wan. Um, he directed Insidious 3, which was not very good. Uh, but this is, I, I think this feels more like a thing where he could kind of flex his muscles a little. It's about a guy who, uh, you know, uh, he, he gets in a situation, he gets implanted with a computer chip that makes him super powerful. Uh, the weird thing about this movie is that the trailers um, or the TV spots they were doing for the past couple months have been pretty awful, honestly. Like, this movie looked like a joke. It also looked really strange, especially after we started seeing Venom trailers, where it looks like the same movie starring the same guy because it's Logan Marshall Green in full-on, like, Tom Hardy clone mode, basically. <laughs> um, but this movie is... I think it's really fun. Like, it, uh, it's definitely low-budget, but it gives us a cool vision of the future. It's kind of dirty. Um, and the action is really interesting, too. Like, once you get into... Um, you know, the things they can do with this computer chip and the way Lee Wanell uh, shoots it. Uh, I think the choreography is quite good. Um, it's nothing like it's maybe not as balls to the wall as um, maybe some other sci-fi action movies, uh, but it's a lot of fun. Really interesting. It's like a Black Mirror episode that goes hard on action and uh, occasionally is also super gory and violent and in a fun way, I think. Um, so if you like your, you know, down and dirty low-budget sci-fi action movies. This is right up there. Cool. That's Upgrade. It's available on Video On Demand and on Blu-ray right now. It's directed by Lee Winnell. Uh I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to checking it out myself. Speaking of extremely fun movies, First Reformed by Paul Schrader. Yes! No, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just joking. I mean, uh, that is not extremely fun. Uh, so I saw First Reformed on Blu-ray, uh, yeah. and the, the new Paul Schrader movie uh, with Ethan Hawke. The premise of the movie, as as Devinder pointed out, is uh, that uh, 
We're fucked. Uh, uh, yeah, like it's it's, a, it's about like what <laughs> what do we yeah. do in the face? Uh, how do you bring a child into this world in the face of like our global warming future? Right. And oh, so it's a documentary about my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Uh, you know, guys, a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, uh, I let drop a what some would consider to be a major spoiler about the film The Meg uh, during the course of an episode. And, and uh, people wrote in, they're really pissed, and they, you know, it, it came out of nowhere. No warning. We almost always give some kind of warning, <laughs> like, spoiler warning for The Meg, da 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 uh, well, w- w- what is okay. good for the goose is good for the gander, because I was listening to a film podcast recently that shall remain nameless, that was reviewing uh, a completely unrelated film to First Reformed, like not even close, not even, uh-huh. not a, has zero to do with First Reformed, and uh, they just freaking dropped a major spoiler about this film oh. right at the beginning of the movie, and I was just like. What the f, guys? Like totally uncool. So, so yeah, I am just, um, uh, you know, I, I have, I have been uh, served, as it were, uh, and so I feel really bad about dropping that Meg spoiler, and uh, I, I have also now experienced the pain of having a movie spoiled completely out of nowhere. And Something just at the same level of value as the Meg. The same level yeah. of artistic value. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. One is going to be nominated for Oscars for Best Picture and Best Actor, and the other one um, stars Ethan Hawke. Yeah. So, uh, okay, first of all, I think you should have mentioned that we have spoilers for You Got Served. <laughs> that, that someone gets served in that movie? Okay. So, someone does indeed get served, and then we should have true, not spoiled true. that. I will not spoil anything for, about First Reformed, except to say, guys, this movie's bananas. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And it's very provocative, and it is really well made. And and I, I don't even want to really – I can't even really talk about how it's well made without spoiling anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say uh, anything about it. But I'll just say like the the visual style of the vast majority of the film is extremely distinctive. Um, like the camera – almost doesn't move at all and frames these characters in these extremely stark and very often symmetrical compositions uh, that is just very, very striking. Um, There's only, what, like six speaking roles in the entire film, Mm -hmm. seven speaking roles in the entire film. It's a really Um, small movie. Yeah, yeah, really small movie. Feels almost like a play, right? Um, The way it's uh, shot and edited. And so uh, I think it's, it's worth checking out. It takes some really big chances Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like I, I would also say, don't judge this movie based on like the first fifteen minutes or even thirty minutes. Like, yeah. go with it. Yeah, go with go the with journey. It. You got to go until the end. You got to follow this thing all the way to the end. Is all I got to say about that. So uh, I would I would recommend it. I think it's it's something that I'm going to be thinking about for a very very long oh, time. Yeah. Um, the so. the the ending of this movie is one of those things that floored me yeah. when I first saw it in the theater. And I think I just stood like sat there in a daze, and I looked around, and just everybody else in the theater was just like, "What? What yeah. did we just see?" Yeah, you just spend yeah. like days thinking about it. So uh, it's worth checking out. It's first reformed. It's available right now on Blu-ray and on video on demand. Um, but it is not um not a family friendly movie. Not not a feel good pick me up kind of movie. Um, I mean, it is family friendly in that there is no, <laughs> you know, it's not like it's a movie. Yeah. I guess uh, there's no like overt sexuality. Yeah, there is no a bit overt of sexuality violence. or violence. Yeah, that's, it's more that's like, true. do you not want your kids to be exposed to the horrifying future that the world they're growing up 
into uh, maybe doomed. You yeah. know, then then it's not family friendly. Yes. Yeah. So Jeff, definitely watch this with your wife. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually very interested to watch this with my wife. Are, are you being facetious? Uh, yes, I was, but it's it's. I mean, it, it's a movie I, mean, I think I, I everyone should watch. With so. my very pregnant wife too, and she uh, she is also she was fascinated by it too. So yeah. it is like my my initial pitch for it was: what if Taxi Driver, but starring a priest who lost his faith? Uh, basically that. Yeah, it's a it's a, ch- it's <laughs> a right. challenging. I would say it's a challenging film. I would say it is, is it one that you know, like, it will have parents having a conversation, start conversation with one another because we are into that kind of stuff. Very possibly. Uh, yeah, very possibly. Yeah. It's yeah. I don't know. It's it. it you know, I think it, I, when I looked at it, I I have the voodoo version of it. Uh, voodoo dot com. You know, because uh, like when I redeemed the digital copy, and it was like. I think it had like two and a half stars, right? It was like the average mm-hmm. review. So it's like you yeah. kind of get a sense of how polarizing a movie like that is by looking at the aggregate reviews. And I would right. say, yeah, this one, this one is pretty freaking polarizing. I can, I can see why it's, why it's polarizing. So, uh, but yeah, great performances and a lot to think about. Um, and there's a great piece at Vulture about the ending of the film mm-hmm. that I would recommend to yeah. anyone that, that really does a good job of explaining yeah. uh, what is going on. So, Paul Schrader, you still got it. He still got yeah. it. Still got it. Um, and oh, one other thing I wanted to mention, which is uh, that this movie does something that very few films I've seen do, very few kind of movies that I enjoy have done, which is it kind of explores uh, a little bit what it's like to be a pastor, You know what it's like to run a church, mm-hmm. and, and kind of... Uh, what the implications are if you're running like a mega church versus yeah. running a church that you know only a few dozen people go to every week, and how there's a lot kind of, of whiskey this... in your cereal, huh? Man, yeah, uh, there's kind of this hierarchy of churches and like uh, a lot of social capital that comes with running like this big church, and and um, it explores that in kind of an interesting. Like I don't see that tackled very often in movies in in, mm-hmm. in mainstream, or I guess this isn't mainstream, but like. Uh, in secular movies, of which I would describe this as one, and uh, uh, and I thought that was very fascinating as someone who grew up in the church. So it's first performed; it's available right now on Blu-ray and uh, on video on demand. Wanted to also mention this movie I saw called A Fantastic Woman. Have you guys heard of this movie? Um, yeah. I believe it won the Academy Award for uh, Best Foreign Film last year. Uh, it's, it was directed by Sebastian Lilio, and uh, it's. I'll, I'll read the plots from here from IMDb. Marina, a transgender woman who works as a waitress and moonlights as a nightclub singer, is bowled over by the death of her older boyfriend. Uh, and it stars Daniela Vega as a transgender woman. Uh, and this is a really well-made and uh, moving film. Uh, you know, I, I remember Roger Ebert's the, the thing that came to mind. You know, about that when I watched this movie was about how like movies are empathy uh, machines, right? And uh, this movie really puts you into this woman's situation and uh, lets you experience the world as she experiences it, which is to uh, have people treat you like a freak, uh, to question your uh, motives and your biology uh, and to, to basically be forced to put up with a bunch of indignities that, you know, cishet people don't need to put up with. And uh, I found it to be very powerful and I'd recommend it to uh, anyone who wants to understand, uh, you know, what uh, a transgender person can go through 
uh, in contemporary society. So uh, mm-hmm. that's A Fantastic Woman. Uh, I watched it on Blu-ray, and it's also available on Video On Demand. Uh, highly recommend it. And finally, I had a chance to watch the entire season two of Ozark, which is out Ooh. on Netflix right now. Wow. And uh, I'm I'm not going to say – I'm going to say almost nothing about it because – uh, Jeff and I are hopefully going to do an after dark or maybe a full review or something about it in the yeah. next few weeks. Yeah, uh, but uh, <laughs> suffice it to say, uh, we're recording this on September fourth. Ozark was released August thirty first. I watched all ten. It's ten hours. It's not just ten episodes. Like every episode is an Jeez. hour long, uh, and I finished the entire thing in like three days. Um, and I wouldn't do that for a show unless I at least moderately enjoyed it. You know what I mean? That's a lot of Ozark. It's a yeah. lot of Ozark. It's a lot of Ozark. And I just, I just can't quit this show. I mean, I think it's so I, good. I consider it to be like empty calories mostly, you know, like <laughs> it's, it, it, but the thing is like it, the, the, the show is basically a bunch of people who are really good actors having tense confrontations with each other. That's like the like ninety five percent of the show, right? What do you need? Yeah, I mean that's basically like that's, that's all. That's all I want out of shows is like, um, and it's it's very atmospheric. The, the whole show is shot in this rather oppressive, you know, dark bluish cool uh, color palette, uh, but it has has some really incredible actors. Laura Linney doing. In my opinion, some of the best work, maybe not some of the best work, but some of my favorite work of her career uh, in season two of the show. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, Jason Bateman doing a great job, not only as an actor, but also directing several of the episodes. Uh, I really like the show, guys. I mean, I, like, it, I, I, I've read many reviews that basically people just don't like it. They think it's... I, I couldn't finish season one. Like, yeah. I don't want to yuck your yum, guys. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I could never get away like, man, this is... So this is Breaking Bad again, yeah, but different. A lot of people um, see it as a Breaking Bad wannabe, except it's not yeah. as good. And I, I can't actually dispute that. I actually don't think it's as good as Breaking Bad. It's, if uh, you want that flow again, I can understand. Like you, you just yeah, want that you, hit. I want that so, hit. Yeah. I want that. Yeah. I want that feeling of uh, Breaking Bad esque um, stuff. I, 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 I mean, well, Better Call Saul is over here. And it's like so much, in many ways, better than Breaking Bad too. But ah, Better okay, Call okay. Saul so, is a great show and yes. is and uh, is is definitely a better show yeah. than uh, than Ozark, in my opinion. But enjoy. Um, but uh, but and here's the problem with Ozark is is many not even some many of the characters are cartoonishly evil. Like and actually. That describes most of the characters on the show. There's nary a sympathetic character in this entire set of characters. Not even the protagonist, you know, uh, the protagonist family. Like, it's just everyone is just completely uh, despicable and or, or has just, many it, despicable elements about them. It says so much about the in, inherent charm of Jason Bateman and Laura Linney that, that you still want to watch them. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. So uh, I polished it off in a few days. Uh, I, I still enjoy the show. I'd recommend it. Um, and it definitely goes in some really interesting directions after season one. Uh, and Jeff, I look forward to talking about it with you. You have seen yeah. zero episodes so far, right, Jeff? Of season two, yeah. yeah I mean, I yeah, devoured yeah. season one, but uh, just haven't – my wife and I 
itching to start it up. We just haven't had a chance yet. It definitely, it definitely feels like a punishing length of episode. Like every episode is six. You know, I don't think every episode needed to be sixty minutes long. You know, what well, I mean? I'm sure it feels more punishing when you try to mainline it in two days. Dave. It's a little <laughs> different when those of us sip it like a fine wine. Mm. <laughs> yeah, perhaps, perhaps, Jeff. So that's Ozark. Something I've been watching this week. It's on Netflix right now. Before we get to our review, we want to thank all the people who donated to the show. Uh, Declan Glynn, Todd Hampton, David Mason, Stefan Furstel, Marcus Trimble, and Viabov S. from Brooklyn, New York City. Thanks so much for your contributions. Thanks also to new subscribers, Diane Capuanis, Capoyanis, and David Sillen for contributing at a regular... Can't get enough eye-popping, jaw-dropping, heart-stopping reality TV. It's the best. Then head to Hey You, home of reality on demand. Stream and download the latest episodes from shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians and The Real Housewives, same day as the US. What's more fun than that? Or binge old faves like The Simple Life and The Hills. That's hot. Hey You, reality on demand. Start your one-month free trial now rate per month of two dollars or above um if you want to support this podcast help us defray the costs of seeing movies and putting on the show you can always go to paypal.me slash filmcast it's paypal.me slash filmcast uh, or go to slash film.com and click on the slash filmcast tab uh use the links on the side of the page uh and yeah we really appreciate all the donors uh who are helping us to make this podcast what it can be of course, never donate if it causes any kind of hardship in your life. But for those who are able to, we are extremely grateful. Let's move on to our review this week of Searching. 911, what's your emergency? I'm calling to report a missing person. Okay, who is this regarding? My daughter. I'm the detective assigned to your daughter's case. I need to know how everything unfolded. Understood. We're gonna go late, like all night. One after a study session, Margot didn't return home. Margot Kim, school has her marked as absent today. Two, she didn't attend school on Friday. My daughter is in a lesson with you right now. Margot canceled her classes six months ago. And three, she's been transferring funds for the last six months. We'll handle the ground investigation. But as a parent, you can help us with who your daughter talks to. Is that something you can do? Yes. Do you mind answering some questions for me to help? Did Sierra eat lunch alone? On Thursday? Every day. That was from the trailer for Searching, uh, the newest film, uh, the first film, actually, I should say. And I'm going to try to pronounce his name correctly, but I, I might butcher it. Anish Chaganti? Anish Chaganti uh, wrote and directed this movie with Sev Ohanian. Uh, I'm going to read the plot summary for IMDb. After his 16-year-old daughter goes missing, a desperate father breaks into her laptop to look for clues to find her. This movie stars uh, John Cho and Sarah Sohn, as well as uh, a few different uh, women playing uh, Margot, the daughter that goes missing. Michelle La plays her in, in what you see her in the majority of the movie. Uh, and the entire thing takes place on a movie sc- on, a, on a computer screen. Yeah, and a movie screen. Yeah, uh, yeah, and on, and on, a, and on a, a movie screen. Um, and Anish Chaganti, I, I listened to an interview with uh, Anish on the Ringer podcast. It's a great interview. I actually tried to get Anish on this episode of the podcast of the Slash Filmcast, but I 
uh, could not make it happen. But uh, you know, next best thing, listen to the Ringer uh, yeah. podcast, the Big Picture podcast with Anish. Uh, Anish is 27 years old, and he worked at Google for a few years making commercials. Uh, and if you've seen Google commercials, they're amazing. Uh, and many of them take place on a computer screen. So he really cut his yeah. teeth uh, doing, you know, learning how to elicit human emotions from just showing stuff on a computer screen. Then spent a couple years in Hollywood making this movie. It debuted at Sundance this year. And now it's out in theaters. I think it made around $7 million over Labor Day weekend. So I can't imagine it costs more than $7 million to make. Um, so I think it's probably going to do pretty well. And so the question is, Jeff Kanata, mm. you know, there's many movies at this – or not many, but like a few. A few movies at this point that have taken place completely on a computer screen. Um, but uh, being on a computer screen can feel gimmicky. Mm. Uh, it can be an impediment rather than something that facilitates mm -hmm. uh, cinematic experience or eliciting of human emotions. Do you feel this movie, Searching, succeeded where others might have failed? Well, let me tell you before I answer that question, Dave, that I straight up did not want to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I Because of all those things that you illustrated there, you, it – Outside looking in, I thought, oh, I, don't, I just, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the patience yeah. for this. This is cinema before. evolving, Jeff. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Join I, us. I, I know that there have been a number of these. I've seen a number of these uh, kinds by, of movies. By the way, the idea, because this all started with uh, Tamur Bekmambadov, and uh, he, like, uh, unfriended was one of right. the first things he produced. He, uh, it's the concept they're calling screen life. So he's trying to make it a thing. He's trying to make more right. people, you know, make movies like this. Yeah. Did not did not look forward to this uh going in and i think searching for me is maybe my biggest surprise of the year so far i thought it was phenomenal i i really enjoyed it very much um and i think that the the revelation for me was how not a gimmick it is mostly uh at least for the first I don't know, two acts of this, of this movie. It is, um, it, it is not just a, a clever way to tell the story. It's an essential way to tell the story. In right. fact, it is the only way to tell the story because, uh, we've all seen films where they struggle to find a way to make compelling the, action of our main character sitting yeah. at a computer and finding out information. Tom Cruise typing in uh, Job in Mission Impossible 1 and that, that whole... Indeed. It was, like a, it was like a night action scene almost set in his hotel room of him furiously typing. So compelling. And this is a problem that many movies run into in the digital age, right? In the information age. When what makes sense in a plot, in a in a a movie's uh, investigation element is that a person gets on the computer and tries to figure stuff out. That makes sense. That's the world we live in. We live in a world where you get on a computer and you find out information, but that's not cinematic. It's inherently not cinematic to have your actor sit down at a computer and start typing. This movie solves that by living inside the computer screen. And it, it, it gets a lot of uh, it gets a lot of things 
as a result. It gets a lot of, of wonderful benefits as a result. First of all, what it does is smartly, I think probably because of his experience working at Google, it knows that let's not fake any of this. Let's not create our, uh, you know, movies make their like sploogle or whatever it is. You know, it's like <laughs> they always come up with some stupid, you know, uh, um, analog for, for the tech or they don't want to pay for the rights to actual windows. So they come up with some, some, some prop guy or some visual effects guy has to come up with some fake interface for a computer. No, what's, so smart here is that this looks like what we do every day and have done for decades of our lives. It is, it plays out exactly as you would play it out. And in fact, even uh, it's even a bigger point that I'm trying to make. What John Cho does in this movie is what people, smart people would do in this situation. He Mm -hmm. gets to work, man. He gets to work. He He makes a spreadsheet. Yeah. yeah, he uses the resources at his disposal to to smartly start working the problem. And I love movies where our, our main character works the problem. I've, I've always enjoyed that idea of a smart person being smart, trying to figure it out alongside it, so that I'm never ahead of the actor because or of the character because they're doing the smartest way through that problem in real time. And this is what you would do. In fact, it reminded me I'll tell a, a quick anecdote. I went to uh, went to Lisbon with my wife. We went to Lisbon and and uh, and France. And uh, while I was there, I, there was a, a fan uh, who I interacted with and asked for some uh, recommendations of things to do there. And he said, "Hey, I would love to meet up with you and and show you around a little bit." And I said, "Awesome!" So I met up with him, and my wife stayed at the. Uh, at the hotel and uh, she was, you know, a little wary of this idea at all of, of meeting up with someone, a, a stranger, ostensibly a stranger. Uh, and then we ended up um, staying out longer than I had told her, which was a huge mistake on my part. But she started getting really panicked thinking that I had been murdered uh, by some crazed fan. Uh, and uh, so she and her sister literally did this movie. They like got on their computers and they figured out a way to like track this guy down <laughs> and find his cell phone and call him. So he, he, like we're driving around, we're driving back and I get a call and it's his girlfriend going, Hey, I just got a call from Jeff's. Uh, I think she, she was my wife at that point. She, Jeff's <laughs> wife. And she really wants to know where you guys are. And I was like, Oh man, the fact that she got <laughs> that. To happen yeah. That, that is so great. Like that is terrifying when you get the call from a source that like you you just you, in your head you're putting together all the pieces of everything that had to happen for that call to happen yes. right <laughs> yes and 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 it was it was a, it was bad it was a, one of the biggest mistakes i've made in our relationship because you know she was just really distraught and thinking that i was uh, you know had been been abducted but the the later on hearing the story about how she and her sister like what they did it's basically this movie. It's like they got on the computer and they just started using all the resources that we all have at our disposal on the internet. And so searching so brilliantly conveys that. It's like that's the best way to dramatize that is like live inside that screen, the how information is revealed. And what it what it actually ends up being is this stripping down of a mystery. It is like cutting all the fat because there are no scenes 
in this movie, really, at least in the first two thirds. There are no scenes. There are just it's just pure clues. It's just it's just like data presented to you of clues and leads in this mystery. And it's like this is really cool. This is almost like watching a point and click adventure game. Uh, play out in real time in front of me. And it was so fun to sort of be thinking through it with our main character and thinking about what he would do. And it, you know, it is dramatized, but we like almost know nothing about John Cho, (laughs) you know, what, who he is or where he works or what he does, like very little, but it's, it's, it's cool because it's like all the non-essential stuff is stripped away. It's just like, here is the most, you know, intense thing that could happen to a person. Their child is missing Here's what they would do and what they would really do. Like this is what any person with a computer could potentially do. And that alone, it's so cool that the the filmmakers understood that alone is super compelling. And watching just stepping through that process is like edge of your seat entertainment. I do have some qualms with where it goes. And I do think that I wish at one point uh, I mean, I, I give credit to the filmmakers for sticking to this this idea. Like, we're always going to be inside a computer screen. But I really would have loved – there's a very specific point that I'll talk about in spoilers where I wish the movie had gone, oh, now we're in a conventional film. You know, like, oh, you've watched this all on a computer screen up until now. Now we're in a conventional film. I think it would have been a really cool moment to, like, be in a conventional movie for just a few minutes. But it didn't do that, and uh, I wish it had. So I have some qualms with sort of – the last act of the movie, but overall I find it easy to recommend this movie. It was a complete surprise to me. John Cho is fantastic. It's, it's a really cool, interesting, fun mystery. All right. That's Jeff's thoughts on searching Devendra Hardwar. Your thoughts. Oh yeah. I love this movie. Uh, I talked about it a bit when I first saw it, uh, I think almost a month ago at this point. Um, it is, you know, I, unfriended was fine. I thought that felt like the whole screen life thing was a gimmick. Whereas here it is so interesting and so compelling. Like it starts off with like a, you know, creating your first windows XP account thing. And it's like, it is so instantly nostalgic, all those sights and sounds. And like, you think about how much of your life is wrapped up in, in this technology, right? You go back. If you have an old computer laying around, if you open that thing back up. Uh, that is pure nostalgia. And how much of your life is just like trapped in there as data? Uh, I, I think this movie plays with all that really well. Um, but at the same time, it's also like a genuinely cinematic, too. I think it does a better job than Unfriended of like making things like uh, John Cho creating a spreadsheet and going down the list of uh, potential people who kidnapped his daughter. Uh, it looks interesting, it's more compelling than usual, I'd say. Um, the mystery itself is really good. Um, the big downside, I'd say, for this movie, at least for the, the that opening montage, is uh, I, the score probably needed a little more work. I feel like, at, le- at least with that bit, that definitely felt just like the Dear Sophie thing from Google, that one of their first ads yeah. that uh, was widely praised. felt a little too bombastic, a little too marketing-type. Uh, music, but uh, overall, like eventually, that just kind of disappears too. Still made me cry, man. Yeah, well, yeah, it it evokes an emotional response, but it feels just as like I, I think it hurts that sequence basically because it feels just as manipulative as like a, a two minute Google ad has to be to make you cry about typing something into a search box, right? But yeah. I think the movie recovers from that, and um, 
you know, there's just so much more going on. We learn about these characters, uh, aside from that opening, right? We don't know that much about John Cho's character, but we learn more about him and, and the way he works, like just looking at his desktop and like what information is there and how is he thinking? Uh, I, I think it's a really interesting exploration of like what our technology says about us. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just the way it's filmed too. Like uh, they use GoPro cameras kind of just pointed you know, at their at the actors at John Cho um, and Deborah Messing at some point too, uh, and, and the girl who plays his daughter. Like it's all, uh, it's very different. And I got a chance to chat with uh, Anish, uh, the writer Sev and, and John Cho. So you can check out that interview at Engadget. It was really interesting to hear this from John Cho. Like he he found it to be a really difficult experience too, because it's literally just him sitting at a table, you know, in front of a, you know, uh, mock computer and looking at a GoPro. There are no other actors there. Um, and it's just the crew. And then he's like kind of giving him help. So as good as John Cho is here, and I think they capture some nuances that you wouldn't get with a typical, like, you know, camera setup, like since we're looking at him face on almost, it's, it's so different. Um, but he, like he, he, doesn't want to do something like this again because it was mm. so hard for him to do it as an actor, like actually yeah. act to this GoPro. Because he's, so, yeah, he's acting, he gets acting against no one. I don't, I don't yeah. even think he and Deborah Messing sh- like. I don't believe they shot their scenes at the same time, even right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, he's yeah. he's just acting against the script or someone in an ear with you know speaking to him in an yeah. earpiece. Yeah, and um, just like staring I, at a blank. You know, the, you can kind of feel that a little bit, especially mm-hmm. with some of the. Uh, I think John Cho is is excellent, uh, but there are definitely a few sort of just voiceover actors that they yeah. used that just felt like mm, yeah. not quite up to snuff. You know, it, it, it yeah, yeah, it, it's feel a like little a little bit extra polished. I feel like if they do another one of these, like maybe they'll have a bigger budget and you know more people to tap into. One thing that did kind of annoy me though is uh, this is another movie where, despite living entirely on a computer screen, uh, the mouse movements. We're all like super, super smooth. smooth. Like that's not robotic. How you, robotic. That's not mouse. how you use your mouse. That's all. That's how I use my. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not a robot with the <laughs> non-wavery mouse movies. If we're gonna be real, I feel like the you could you can even tell like the franticness of like how somebody's mouse cursor moves and like how fast somebody types. I think that all tells you something about a character too. So like there, you know, there's certain things I would have liked to see done differently as well. As a mystery though, and as an exploration of this new screen life type. Uh, framing device uh, i think it's fascinating uh definitely check out my interview in gadget because uh, we had a good chat and hopefully we'll get anisha on the show at some point too to talk more about this yeah i'm not sure i'm on board with the uh, screen life but okay <laughs> i think Even though this... you were very much surprised by this movie but yeah i think this movie in, just as a in... term <laughs> yeah yeah overall i think this movie is a success and i think um, you should check it out because I, I do think it represents a milestone in filmmaking. I do think that uh, we have never before seen a movie that takes place on a uh, on a computer screen that works as well as this movie. Um, I've seen Unfriended, the first one at least, and yeah, like you said, Devinger is okay, but like this movie is much more ambitious. It's trying to make you feel a far greater set of emotions, and uh, I think it really works. So, if there's any takeaway you have. Uh, from my thoughts is that you should still go check this out. Here are a few things I really like about it, and then I'm going to get into some things I don't like, then let's dive into spoilers. Uh, What I really like, this movie respects technology, right? It actually 
uh, th- goes to the trouble of like understand like this is how you would reset someone's password like it actually yeah. is a it's realistic a depiction authentication yeah right thing, yeah. It's, it's it's a realistic depiction of how someone would actually use these services which is shockingly rare in our day and age it's always some and, yeah go ahead and, and and it's weird that it's rare because there's nothing anybody is more familiar yeah. with than this yeah. you know we all know exactly how this works and why wouldn't you show it exactly as it's supposed to be you know? exactly mm-hmm. exactly i mean because as davinder pointed out it's uncinematic you know because it's not good for the pacing whatever but uh, there is some value in seeing these platforms work in the way that you know that they work and on that note um, I, I thought, in general, uh, Jeff, they did invent uh, UCAS. Yes, that was yes. one invention that they made. But everything else, yes. like Tumblr, Instagram, all that stuff, it felt like uh, the people who made this, unsurprisingly, understood how all these platforms work, understood how a teenager might use all these platforms, and understood how a parent might hack into a teenager's accounts on all these platforms. And, and by the time we get to UCAST, they've already won so many brownie yes. points of actually using all the correct yeah. tech that I, I yeah. forgave that. Yeah, you're like, you're like, these people, like, they know their stuff. We, yeah. we can give them a little latitude when it comes to making things. And right. there, there, there's certainly some, like, quick uh, quick fixes, right? Like, the daughter has no password on her laptop, and this movie would be would, would be nowhere <laughs> if that laptop was locked. <laughs> right. Like, nothing. You can't right. stop the two-factor. You can't do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but, you know, some people don't have passwords on their laptops, you know? It's, it's a, it's it a could be a parental thing, thing right? Yeah. Like, you cannot, like, yeah, block out your machines from us. It, it does give you some good ideas, though, Jeff. Like, uh, he, like... Uh, for her Facebook, one of her accounts, she used as her recovery uh, email address, like one of her parents, right? So right, which you which you actually they seed that in the beginning with her mom setting up the Facebook account. Mm, yep. In in the in the early intro, which is like it's so brilliant. Yeah, of course, like she wouldn't think to change that now that she's fifteen. Just you know, her mom set it up five years ago yeah. when she was ten or you know. Good things to think about, guys, when you have kids that are, are that old. Set your. Um, I'm terrified. Set like one, your one thing about this movie is the idea that as a parent, right, you will just. It's so hard to know what your kids are doing in their lives, but also in their online lives. And it's like, yeah. what what reality are they in now? Do, do they have friends? Who are these people? Are they are they just streaming their entire lives? Where are they streaming? What's going on? There's <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot yeah. to worry about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I love that it respects technology. Love that it is able to like it. It makes creative use of uh, of technology. There, there's stuff here. Like the the whole thing basically takes place on a screen. There's stuff that's like on a screen that like yeah. it's like okay, does that yeah would that yeah. really be on a screen? You know, um, I but, totally FaceTime all my lead detectives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes it work. But there's many scenes that take place like when you open FaceTime on your computer. Uh, it, it opens up a camera, right? And some people just leave that on, right? I've left it on a few times, and that's a completely realistic thing to do. It's um, a whole movie right there, Dave. Just leave right it. Right there, right there. Uh, so anyway, the way the movie uses technology is very smart uh, and very creative, and I really love that about it. Okay, so that's that's these are some of the things I like about the movie. Uh, what I don't like, well, first of all, because of how accurate it is, unfortunately, this movie... Uh, will become very dated very quickly. I think, like, yeah, within yeah. five years, it will look ancient because... Uh, oh, and, and I should point out, like, one thing that this movie gave me an appreciation of is the uh, Mac OS. Like, all, all the work... <laughs> like, like seriously, it's like a very expressive OS, you know? Like, 
all the work that goes into the OX, the, the designers, right? Like uh, speech bubbles, like the dot 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 popping up in the like all this stuff is used to like express emotion, like clicking on a window and it pops. You know, all this like it's it's actually like really remarkable how expressive an operating system can be. And I think the the movie does a great job of like bringing that out in. But in the also, Mac I would say the filmmakers themselves did did a a fantastic job of maximizing that like it does a wonderful thing of showing us something that is typed and then deleted yeah as a way of seeing inner thoughts that aren't actually expressed by the characters you get to see you get to see hidden interior monologue that way which is yeah. brilliant it's yeah. a brilliant device agreed completely agreed completely so uh so that that's another thing that the movie does really well okay now there have been movies that take place in like one location right uh, or where you're seeing a character in a really short period of time. Um, and uh, I'm thinking of like Buried with Ryan Reynolds and Stephen Tobolowsky. I'm thinking of like Locke, that uh, Tom Hardy movie. Uh, and now Searching, right? And these movies take place where it, 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 it's in a small confined space. In the case of Buried, the character was in a physical coffin. The whole movie took place in a coffin. And in the case of Searching, it takes place kind of on a computer screen. The character goes around and travels to different places, but like the whole movie, you're experiencing it through a computer screen. And we go to multiple computer screens. Yeah, we go to multiple computer, mm-hmm. computer screens. But I feel like these movies suffer from uh, something, which is that uh, you, you, you're only seeing the character in a state of great distress. Right. And right. often they're not acting at their best. Like when I, when I say acting, I don't mean performing. I mean like – uh, Ryan Reynolds' character in Buried was an asshole, you know, and I didn't care whether he got out of that coffin alive or not because he was an asshole. Um, but at the same time, I probably wouldn't be at my best if I was in a coffin buried alive. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you're seeing you're seeing characters like only like primarily like ninety percent of the movie you're seeing the characters in a state of like great distress where they're like you know acting really angry and not happy with people. And I think I think it makes it hard to sympathize with them. I think it uh, makes really? it more, yeah like this movie you have yeah. a hard time sympathizing with him a little bit a little bit that's what I'm saying I, I think the movie still works but I think like you know he acts like a jerk to many many people in this movie and it's like you only get to see him as a non jerk for a tiny percentage right, right, right. of the film even even so, like at the even at the beginning like he's kind of he's still kind of an asshole dad. in the beginning you know he's like going yeah. dad yeah. yeah take out exactly. the trash yeah come on exactly so well, but that's his arc too is to yeah 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 so. But uh, anyway, so for me, that part is still kind of like, uh, I don't know how that that uh, that aspect <laughs> works for me. Um, and then I I really feel strongly, and we're going to talk about this momentarily, but I really feel like the movie kind of goes off the rails in the final third of the film. Uh, <laughs> I agree. That's and, agree. Yeah, and so we can talk more about that, but like it, it gets really, really silly so in my opinion. A whole yes. lot of herring up in here. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I, I don't think it ruins the film. I agree. I agree. It's it, there's enough good things here that I, I still recommend it. Uh, but it, it, it is. Let's just put it this way: I really wanted to take this movie like extremely seriously, and yeah. then some things happen that make me like less inclined to take so it seriously. It's so grounded. Yes. and So true for yes. so much of it, and then it just goes. Oh, we're in Bunkers Town. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So uh, those are our overall thoughts. Uh, but why don't we dive into spoilers for searching starting right now? Now you're looking for. 
for the secret. You're going to see this coming. No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. So, Devendra, I'll just say, yeah, uh, the opening montage... I mean, uh-huh. my, my wife and I were both like crying, you know. It works. It was, Me too, man. It's very moving. Despite that score, it works. Yeah. Despite, I, I thought the score was fine, and I think, it, but I, I agree, it does sound very much like a Google commercial. But I, you, you basically, the opening of this film, Searching, you, um, you experience this entire woman's like ten years of her life yeah. through a computer screen, and it's incredible to contemplate, like you said, Devendra, how. How much of our lives are tied up in these screens, and and how much how much information we give to our devices? Um, Will future generations like look back at our calendars and be like, you know, th- is that something you pass on to your to your you know kin <laughs> when you right. die? To like look, look at look at my shit, basically. Like this is the history of my life, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's so many. I mean, I came home and and told my wife like I just protect yourself i can't be without you know that's i'm worried now it, it was it was one of those things where you look back and you go oh yeah you you would have all of these videos now i mean i think we're the first generation to have uh-huh just copious amounts of <laughs> memories of it's people. crazy yeah. and i'm now terrified about what my kids are going to hear from like yeah our podcast 10 years ago or something right <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not gonna I, be good i remember during our review of uh chappy you're like if i ever have a daughter yeah, <laughs> um, I'm gonna regret it for the rest of my life. You know. Yeah, and don't I make that mistake. She's gonna, she's gonna, re- yeah, it's gonna really, really cut her deep when she hears that, Devendra. <laughs> um, basically, I'm saying don't listen to our review of Chappie. Is the is the moral of this story? <laughs> so you mean the one that was quoted on the cover <laughs> of the box art? Yes, that, and that How is forever to our disgrace. Um, yeah, but uh, was it? I don't think that was from our. I don't think that was from the podcast. Oh, no, that, that was from that your was, review, probably from, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so, but, you know, I think my wife put it really well when she said, uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty high bar that a movie needs to surmount to, uh, have one of the main characters be basically a sociopathic killer, right? And I don't think this movie really surpassed that bar. And it's just because you just don't have enough of their the relationship between you know you you don't because of the construct of the film taking place on a computer screen you just don't get enough of what like who this deborah messing character is you think Um, she's a sociopathic killer because she's i mean i wouldn't say she is okay sociopathic is too strong what the movie sets up is this is you know she's a parent she's doing whatever she can to protect her shitty son and uh, in the same way that he's doing that whatever he can to protect his daughter yeah Okay, you're, you're right. You're right. Not sociopathic. Yeah. That's not. That's not fair. Uh, yeah. Douglas Rutnerak in the chat room is saying she's not sociopathic. It's about what parents do. Yeah, yeah. but but just, it's very blunt. I, I give you that. Just yeah. that someone would be capable of that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, because this, this is not just. Yeah. This is not just. Um, hey, I'm going to figure out a way to cover up my son's crime. This is I'm going to murder another human and extract yeah. a confession out of them before I do that. Like that, that's just a lot to pin on this character, yeah. and I don't I know. Don't that really, she, what really yeah. made it harsh too was that all this happened and nobody checked on the girl. Like she didn't. I guess yeah. like yeah, if you're going with this lie, you're just gonna live this lie. But at least like 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, try know. to save her. You know, like something. Yeah, that that hit me hardest. I think. Well, <laughs> I'm not so much. Uh, I find it hard. I, I'm not. My credulity isn't strained by by her. It's strained yeah. by the rest of the police department. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, they're like, she's like, hey, guys, I volunteer for this one. And they're all like, OK, we're all cool with that. We're all cool. uh, just let us know what you need. Just let us yeah. know where not to look. She's it's- like, don't. Yeah, don't look over here. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, I guess they don't have drones or anything to like really do large scale aerial you know, searches or something. Yeah. 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 Also, I-, I thought this movie was both very smart about how social media operated like there's this montage of like how this guy becomes a meme that i thought mm-hmm. was real and and the woman the girl yeah. who said she didn't really know her friend to like then putting on this whole youtube show about how yeah. this is her best friend like i thought that was all yeah. very very smart uh but then like the the way it handles local That's news the, i thought was pretty ru- like i just don't believe that local news would devote this many resources but who knows but I will I mean, say that's all real local news stations. Those are all the stations I grew up watching in the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. interesting. KPIX and yeah, all this. It also yeah. feels really legit. Like if you remember, there was that uh, that awful story, right, about the uh, the tech reporter and his family, and they were lost. Remember, it was like yeah. Oregon mm-hmm. or something, and uh, yeah. somebody somebody I I grew up watching on tech TV and everything, and like that there was a, that was national news. So I I don't know. All I right, don't know no, how fair enough. Fair enough. Like it's, it's but very... I I do. I do think that the moment he determines that he puts together the fact that she was at that lake and he, mm-hmm. he, he, we see him like grab his keys and leave. That's the moment it should have switched to a normal conventional film. Like as uh, soon yeah. as he leaves his computer screen, yeah. I think it would have been awesome to just like, now we're in a real movie. It would have been like, oh, amazing. This is a real movie, Jeff. Come on. I don't, I, it's a poor choice of words. I, what I mean is a, you know, a more conventionally shot film. Right, right, right. Because it, it like you're saying, David, it, there's, there's so many, up to that point, it felt like this is the best way to tell this. And after yeah. that point, it's like, well, let's, we're watching news reports on our screen. And we're yeah, also, like that, that may have been too jarring is the thing. Like switching the mode of how we are operating as an audience abruptly like that it, it, this movie feels like such a delicate balance it's, right we it's get into cheat. the the news yeah. reports are a cheat like yes. they are a cheat. it's 100%. because it's like oh wouldn't this the, normally be on a tv but oh no people can watch news reports on their computers now guys you know and the whole the, even a worse cheat is the whole contrivance of the live streamed memorial service yeah. people it's yeah. like it, it literally is established in the movie entirely to create that moment where we're watching a live stream of the memorial service like, by the right. way by the way how brilliant was that like how the marketing for that for that memorial startup is like it's shitty and opportunistic but it was smart because it got them an active user and <laughs> yeah, yeah. even if you're shitty uh, you don't, you know, you got a customer. That's what you wanted. Also, the choice of stock part. photo led to yep. them putting together the whole uh, thing. But, Which actually, okay, I have a problem with that because the yeah. the why would he he just literally searched for a stock photo and used it, but also then used all of her real personal information of the person in the stock photo, like used her real name and her real age, and like he, he wouldn't have done that. He just searched for pretty girl and found her. He wouldn't have like actually used her name Hannah. It's mm. I felt like that was. I thought it was. I, I actually thought it was a great moment. In it's a great like holy crap moment in yeah. the movie, in my opinion. And the, um, this movie has a lot of great holy crap mo- moments, like the thing with the uh, the the whole brother scene too. Yeah, it's like that is that is tense. Well, it does such a great job. It does 
what I love when mysteries do, which is it pre- presents a very plausible solution, yep. and yep. then that's not it, and does it again, and that's not it. And it's great because each time John Cho believes it to be true, just like we, the audience, believe it to be true. Like it's definitely this twerp that blows all of the the smoke out of his nose. Uh, and and you know he goes, it's like yeah 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 yeah, punch him in the face. Yeah, we're like, oh, I'm on your side, John. It's definitely this kid. What did you do with his daughter? Oh, oh no, okay, it wasn't that kid? Uh, all right. Uh, oh my god, it's definitely his brother. Oh my god, his brother is disgusting. Yeah yeah yeah, choke him. It's so great that we're feeling that way too, and he like goes over the top in, in, in both ways. So you can understand that in the, in the third time you go, well, maybe he is wrong again. It's, it's such a wonderful, uh, bait and switch. And I love when mysteries do that. Douglas in the chat room asks, did you guys think for a moment that his brother and daughter engaged in a sexual relationship? Uh, I mean, that's, yeah. that, that was the implication. I, yeah, yeah. It's the implication, but at the same time in the back of my head, I was also thinking, man, that is Really, really dark. That's really uh, dark. That's, that's like yeah. a like. I don't know if I'm ready to go with you there. Movie. That's like some old boy material right there. Yeah, like it is. Yeah, yeah. That's some really uh, messed up stuff. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, so the ending. It, it kind of. It sounds like it didn't work for us for different reasons. Uh, but yeah, for I want to ask you guys this question though. Uh-huh. Go ahead. How did you feel about her being alive? Yeah. <laughs> It's, I I was glad in the moment of watching it, you know, like oh yeah, at least we got a happy ending out of this. It it seems a little a, li- a little too unbelievable, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like the, there was a cool thing about having seen the rainstorm, and then later the rainstorm was the reason she was alive. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. But I also felt like it was a little. You got to have your cake and eat it too. Right. Movie. Like, you took us to the point where we thought she was dead. Yeah, and now you're like clawing it back. You know, you, like yeah. you you made us feel that movie, and now you're like taking it back. Movie that's not cool. Yeah, it's like no, it's it's okay, it's all okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. But I, I I don't know. I was rooting for uh, her to be found alive because you know, John John Cho had already nice, lost like, so much, guys. John Cho had already <laughs> that lost was much. such a baller moment though. Like it was no. It rained. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the final <laughs> twist. It was cool. Like, uh, I think they at least set up a little bit or it was plausible in the way that, yeah, she had access to water and she was still there. Um, yeah, maybe. I yeah. I liked how all of that stuff was, was seeded in the movie. Like, I definitely saw the moment in the confession tape where the guy looks down and reads – um, and it, the actor, and I thought that was cool. Like it, they don't make a big deal out of it, but, but she's like, you made him read a confession. Uh, I, I many times saw Deborah messing behave in ways where I'm like, that seems weird. Like she seems way too emotionally <laughs> distraught about this for, a you know, but it's like, it all makes sense. And I thought that was kind of rad that whole, like in retrospect, all yeah. of this makes much more sense. Although in retrospect, her being the second biggest name in this movie, of course it's her. Of right. course, like yeah, she's directly <laughs> yeah. tied to it. Yeah. Well, we have not mentioned the fact that uh, this is the second film that we've reviewed on the podcast this year that has an Asian lead. Uh, there you which, go. Which is awesome. Uh, the the I mean, and also two Asian leads. I do want to say too. Right. Like, right. Uh, I think uh, Michelle Law, who plays Marco, is really good for the little bits we see of her in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, when he was talking, Anish was talking about when he cast it. Um, we're on a first name basis now. Um, yeah, he's so talking cool. about, He's talking about when he cast it uh, that uh, he like uh, the primary goal was to choose someone 
who would look plausibly like they're from this area of the country, you know, <laughs> like uh, like San, San, Jose. San Jose, right? Um, but also that, hey, by by casting an Asian lead, like then it opens up all these other secondary characters who are also um, cast in the film, and then they get more opportunities later on. And he's like, wow, like we are we are being the change we want to see, like right now, just by making this single decision. And um, I thought that was very heartwarming. So. Uh, super cool that uh, we had two pretty successful movies led by Asians this August, which is not something that I necessarily saw coming at the beginning of this year. So yeah, and also uh, it's doing it's doing much better than I think anybody had expected too. So is it getting like a bit of the Crazy Rich Asians bump too? Maybe. Yeah, I mean uh, uh, the main actor in Crazy Rich Asians bought out a theater in support of this movie. Um, and uh, it was hilarious hearing them talk about it because basically, like, nobody <laughs> – no, no managers of actors wanted yeah. their clients to be involved in this film, right? Because the default position that you would have is that this movie is going to fail, right? Yeah, like, yeah. This movie, movies like this have rarely succeeded or if they did <laughs> succeed, it's not necessarily something that, like, you want to point to as, like – this represents, you know, respected actors' best work. Definitely. Shout out um, to John Cho for doing this thing. Apparently, like, he had read the script first, and he heard the conceit of doing it through the screens, and he was like, no, immediately. And then, like, Anish talked with him, and uh, I think kind of convinced him it would look very cinematic. Yeah. And I think ultimately this is, yeah, it was a good choice for him, but, you know, it follows a lot of really interesting roles for John Cho as well. Like, uh, Columbus, I think, is an astounding gorgeous movie it's so strange and so unique uh at the same time he's a guy who can go and do selfie you know and be hilarious so i don't know much left to him all right uh well, I want to underscore one other quick thing please. that uh Devinger said earlier about how much fun there is in noticing the things all over the screen mm-hmm. uh there was a moment uh sort of i don't know two-thirds of the way through uh where you see him like you know working on his on his on a website and one of the banner ads is for depression medication mm-hmm. yeah. which i just yeah. thought was such a cool little th- thing of like the algorithm knows that he needs depression in, uh, no, uh, medication. the algorithm knows and that's that's true that's real life yeah yeah I, I thought that was great and there's a lot of stuff like that of of things on the side or you know uh file names i also wanted to mention um I loved – I've even mentioned this to my wife. I loved how badass his wife was with, like, <laughs> keeping a complete directory of every person her, his daughter yep, had. Yep. Over here. That is the new yeah. bar for parenting now. I yeah. know. I was like, honey, we have to, we have to do this. This is like <laughs> – you never know when it's going to come in super handy. And I love, like, all her notes about who they are and uh, their relationship to it. And if you remember, like, that kid – was one of the people he clicks on mm-hmm. that you know the Robert or whatever, and it said is obsessed with Margot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like it's, there's a lot of cool seeded stuff. Throughout yeah, they the had movie. to build every asset in this film from scratch. Like every, yeah. it's not like they just took someone's computer and randomly did it. You know, like they right, right, right. constructed every file, every file name, every image. You know, yeah. So uh, crazy amount of work, crazy amount of work, but uh, well worth it in in our opinion. So that's our review of Searching. Uh, and you can find it in theaters right now. Uh, I, I don't know that they did, did a great job of releasing this film. Like it was, mm-hmm. you know, last week felt like was when the, the interest peaked. Um, but I think it's expanded a little bit wider this weekend. People have a chance to check it out. I hope you do. 
Um, and that's our review. Yeah. Find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast.gmail.com. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be reviewing next week. Our theme song comes from Adam. Our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Uh, Devendra Hardware, where can find more of your work on the internet this week? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Devendra and check out my technology stuff at Engadget.com. Uh, Jeff Kanata, how about you? I'm at Jeff Kanata on Twitter, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And I do a video game podcast that we mentioned a couple of times. Uh, it's called DLC. You can find it at 5by5.tv slash DLC. I am no longer on Twitter, but if you want to get updates from me regularly, go to DaveChen.net slash letters, where I compile all the stuff that I would have tweeted into regular emails for you. So DaveChen.net slash letters. Next week... We are going to be review- we are going to be recording part two of the summer movie wager 2018, which is to say the results of the which summer is movie crazy because it's anybody's game at this point. It's it yeah, really it's crazy how open. Open, like yeah anything could happen. Yeah, so you I guarantee in. you that this episode will be very enjoyable and not at all unbearable. <laughs> so I'm really really psyched to. Uh, Find out who wins the summer movie wager with you guys next week. Yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning into the podcast. We'll see you next week.